So, um, before the, the brief uh, interruption, um, you're discussing uh, just a kind of different uh, environment. It, it's interesting to see the different environs from people, you know, different, you know, bands and uh, or members of a band and stuff like that. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a really surreal world now. Um, how is your, um, I, I'm sorry, was it a, uh, a boy or girl, your, your boy or girl, was it? Sorry. It's, uh, a, it's a girl. I mean, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, how is she dealing with that? Like just strictly online? Um, well, um, she goes to Montessori and yeah. she goes to a very small school and so this all started in January of last year, by around March, I believe, um, they opened the school. There was only five students in the class um, and they took very, very good precautions and everyone wears masks all day and kids don't seem to mind it. Um, <laughs> I was pushing her on the swing the other day and she said something like, Papa, I'm tired of this whole COVID thing. It's messing up with all my stuff. <laughs> so I think she's a little lonely mm. uh, for her friends and for social interaction other than with her parents and immediate family. Mm. But she's handled it very well and she's she's been happy as, a, as she has been normally, luckily. We have it better than most. Uh, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, I was in New York for 20 years and short, uh, just very fairly recently moved to Atlanta. And I cannot imagine being in New York City under these circumstances. Hmm. Um, I think that would be just a, it might break me down a little bit. So we're lucky in that respect that you know, we are near our families and we're able to see them on a regular basis. We're in a little bubble together. And um, so we're, we're lucky, you know, work has not been interrupted and whatnot. But a lot of my friends and musicians and crew people in particular, um, the, the crews for, say, the National, you know, I, I don't know, they employ maybe 150 people total or something. And, these guys, these women, don't have any real place to go. Um, you know, their chosen profession has completely disappeared. So I feel really, I feel that pain a lot. And I wake up feeling really grateful every day that, you know, while it's very, it's been very anxious time and difficult, um, we've, We've had it better than most. We have a lot of gratitude for that. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm. Well, I have family basically kind of spread out. I'm initially from uh, originally from Boston, uh, Mass, and um, I kind of picked up and moved to Brooklyn in late 2016. Um, but it, it's kind of tough because my my sister transplanted to Nashville a couple of years ago with. Uh, she brought uh, with her my nephew, now almost five. Uh, in May, he'll be five. Uh, and, and she just had a baby girl in August. So 
I haven't yet, I haven't had a chance to see them, you know, and, uh, you know, that's tough. Uh, and even just interactions like that, though, over like, uh, say, Zoom or like Amazon, like kind of Echo, you still don't get that, the real human connection, but it's better than nothing. But uh, I, I actually, though, I found myself outside the city. I'm in Beacon, New York, if you, if you know it or you're familiar. Uh, yeah, I'm vaguely familiar with it. You're in Brooklyn now. And then I was in Brooklyn, and then I, I found myself like two hours upside, outside the city, like an hour and a half. It's uh, Beacon, New York. Sounds like a good choice to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, that's the thing, like you said, like the, the support, supporting uh, crew of, uh, you know, live performance, you know, there's no, you know, that, that drastically changed my, my project and what I was doing, you know, covering bands and stuff too, but. Yeah, I can imagine it's been kind of very difficult for you and I've seen a lot of small and big acts kind of. You know, your sister moved down to Nashville, so Robin Hitchcock and Emma Swift have really tried very, very hard and have been striving to continue to make music and present music um, and generate income for themselves by providing actual interesting content on a consistent basis. So I support them through Patreon mm. and uh, Nick Cave. The Bad Seeds recently put out a raffle for um, paraphernalia of the band that would go in, in the support of the crew specifically. Mm. Um, and I have friends who own or manage bars in New York and restaurants. And those, that demographic, you know, restaurateurs, bar owners, people in bands, crews, Anyone in the arts, you know, Atlanta is a big film town. And I have friends that are, you know, involved heavily with that, and that's been hit really hard as well. Mm. Um, so, not to focus on the artists and say that it's not hard on anyone else, because of course it is very much so. But those, you know, professions are close to me, and that's what I relate to the most, and, and see where the hardships have really um, hit. Yeah. Uh, I guess then where, so where did your interest in, you know, arts and uh, music begin? I mean, wh what's your story, man? Like, um, I guess, you know, how did, you know, you get 30 plus years of, uh, you know, doing super creative work uh, and music and, and photography and uh, graphic design as well? Well, um... You know, we had a piano when I was four years old in the house. And uh, I remember picking out Beethoven's 14th Sonata by ear, just the first few bars, you know, around the age of four or five. Um, and then my mom got me a, a little radio that I would stay up at night, past, you know, midnight under the covers listening to. And I remember hearing my first Beatles song on that radio. And just, um, being entranced by it, just any kind of music really. But, you know, when I heard the Beatles, like many millions of people who have felt this way, realized, wow, this is neat stuff. 
um, my parents, my father was or is um, a classical music kind of uh, savant. He introduced me to a lot of that. I played the violin for six years, um, sang in the Atlanta Boy Choir, went to Italy with them, sang for the Pope uh, when I was 11. Oh. And then um, I discovered Girls and the Trap Kid. <laughs> and all that was over. Uh, <laughs> um, and it was, you know, drums ever since. Um, and only recently in the last, say, five years, but most productively in the last three years, have I been doing my own songwriting um, and really taking um, a crash course in engineering and producing, mixing, mastering, all the, all the elements that go into making a recording. And um, I have recently had the privilege um, to be able to do that semi full time. Um, I split my time with uh, raising my daughter and maintaining a, a house, respectable household. And, uh, and I spend probably four to eight hours in the studio a day in some fashion or another, whether that's practicing the drums or mixing a track or if I have nothing to do reading some textbooks and figuring out just how compression works man it's a mystery <laughs> yeah <laughs> even understanding it now it's still a mystery um so yeah that's that that's part of it um my parents saw me go through a hard time um playing in a very popular band in the Southeast in the nineties who got signed to Polygram Records. And of course, it's a very old story. The rhythm section got the boot um, and that was difficult. And my parents one day gave me this, what do you call it, like a brochure for the Portfolio Center in Atlanta, right. high school. They said, I think maybe you ought to try that. <laughs> So I did and uh, went through that two year program, very intensive. And then I, two months later, moved to New York and for 20 years did graphic design as my form of income and um, played in a bunch of different bands. Um, one in particular that was consistent over about 18 years, but I had a lot of, lot of opportunity to play with a lot of different people up there, mm. which is what I miss most. You know? Yeah. 25, 20, 20 year relationships that are based on music. You know, when you're, when you're 30, it's easy to make friends mm. and to make connections. You know, when you're 50 and you're in a new town, it's a lot harder, right? It's a lot yeah. harder. But, and, and it takes, you know, when I'm going to be 70 before I get another 20 year uh, relationship with somebody. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I missed that. Uh, and so the studio has been a real um, help in high mental health and, and keeping me doing musical things without necessarily needing the support of other humans. Yeah. Um, do you find it kind of, um, I've spoken to you know, numerous uh, musicians as well and, and producers and 
they're they're kind of akin to this kind of used to uh, just being locked into the studio anyways comparably you know so it's like they're they're kind of well adjusted to being isolated from uh exactly person. yeah i'm that kind of person a little bit I, i'm a bit of a homebody and uh so i have no problem spending 14 hours in front of a dog you know and not seeing anybody and just diving in um so i can i can see I, the the first record we made first and last record we made with my band the go cartel in brooklyn um really kind of stoked my re-interest in the studio mm. um where i had a the, the wisdom of, of a little bit more age and understanding of what what went on in the studio and I, I really got the bug um and that's when i started to study it form semi-formally i guess you would call it and decided that i wanted to know everything there was about recording music even if it's you know digitally um tools are digital um process is still the same mm. the outcome is generally the same um, so yeah um that's how I'm, that's that's we're up to speed or we're up to the date now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um did you like touching upon the national did you were you friends with those guys at the the beginning or how did you link up with them and take that cover shot yeah i continue to be friends with them matt um when I went to New York City straight out of straight out of design school, I interviewed in five places. I mm -hmm. got three offers. And when I went to my sixth place, it was the putt building in Milita. This guy opened the door. And before he opened his mouth, I was like, this is where I'm gonna look. Yeah. And it was Matt. He was a creative director there. And the national was not yet uh, a thing. Um, we became very good friends. Scott and I became very good friends. Um, a number of us of us worked together. And so, as you know, as friends, I was present for a lot of the early kind of um, formation and. Um, you know, events that took place before their first record. Um, that image, um, Scott just, we went to, we went to East Hampton one weekend with about 10 people. We went to this big house with a pool and went to get out of the city. And so we just had a little weekend together and I, you know, shot, you know, some candid, just reportage kind of stuff. And, um, Next thing I know, the record comes out, and there's Brian. <laughs> Scott had just gotten a hold because I'd posted the files for people to see, and Scott, without mention, just grabbed it and slapped it on there. And at first, I was, I was like, "Well, didn't ask me." But that's okay, <laughs> dude. That's a really weird choice. Um, but it's become very iconic, obviously. Um, it's all over the internet, more so than I think, you know, any of their other 
beautiful cover art that they they've done um but uh yeah i got lucky with that one i'm really happy that that that, that happened and um i've been privileged to have their ear and their attention and their friendship throughout this whole time i toured mm. with them as a friend as a photographer mm. um sometimes in their tour bus um all over europe and uh, all over the states um as a matter of fact i just uh, sent scott a little gift yesterday he received it um for being so generous and kind with me all these years mm. wow well, that's funny uh you know i i, I... Prior to meeting my current partner, I never knew who the na national were. And then, I, you know, I, uh, yeah, when I moved to Brooklyn, I didn't, I wasn't actually, I was kind of more on the design side as well. Uh, okay. uh, I was kind of into more UX design and tech, you know, uh, kind of using. That's, that's what I did mostly too. Yeah, that's where, you know, more of the. Or, yeah, and that's really all I was really doing. Yeah. Yeah, continue. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh yeah, no, no. Um, so I just moved, you know, Brooklyn. I had this. I just, you know, Boston was getting small. I love this city, but uh, I, I needed a change. And then I met some guys who, who just kind of lent me a camera, and I was just kind of taking a lot of street shots. And uh, because it's a totally different world. And then uh, my current partner, uh, Melissa, she saw you know my sequence, and I used to print it out at CVS. These you know, just the kind of sequence to see what I had in, in hand. And um, she loved my, my work. So she, she's a music publicist uh, for years now. And uh, she, she pushed my work to uh, Pace Magazine. And I started kind of doing assignments for Pace in yeah. like August, 2017. And uh, I started, that's where, you know, I, I've been on this journey ever since that. Um, well, congrats on that, and uh, you got lucky with a good partner. Um, oh yeah, so oh, like just to continue, it's like funny because I I didn't know who the national were. Then Pace sent me to the Bowery Ballroom. I think they were doing like a special night show show for like Sirius XM. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, at Bowery Ballroom, you can't bring in a, a pro camera. So you know the you know, Adder just gave me like a little uh, point and shoot and I was like, uh, sketchy images. But then, um, yeah, it, it, then I, I think I, I captured them in, in Queens as well, or, or uh, uh, Forest Hills, I believe. Forest or, Hills, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then I, I, I kind of started becoming friends with Ben and Kyle. Um, I, I, I captured them in, in Boston in 2019 backstage and th those guys are great. Those two um, boys are princes, man. Yeah, no, they're yeah, amazing, uh, just amazing talent regarding music, musically, and uh, just all around nice guys and incredibly and I, personable. And I think you you might have seen it uh, where I, I I spoke with those guys uh, earlier on in the the series, and then yeah. I actually coincidentally I talked to Tom, Matt's brother, where Matt popped in, um, which was crazy. And uh, I've actually had coffee with like Graham Macando, you know, their kind of tour sure. photographer and stuff. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know them before, you know, 2017. And then I kind of 
like all came together I, you know uh, in boston I was backstage after the show and kind of met uh, you know briefly chatted with scott and uh i think i really haven't uh spoken to matt himself like one-on-one uh or captured him i've captured him via live performance but um i haven't captured the twins either but besides that i've really i also actually coming up uh this coming Monday, because I release this every two weeks, I, I talked to Kate uh, Sable as well. Um, I know she's done a, a few tracks as well, toured with them as well. Right, right. Um, so she was amazing, and I'm, I'm, we're we're definitely slated for another conversation because we we were interrupted uh, due to internet issues here. It was snowy, um, so it was like okay. Still ended up like 40 minutes, but we uh, we were slated for another conversation because it was so much fun chatting. Um, they're a great band to to um, you know they're they're also personable and, and down to earth. Uh, yeah, and real people. And Matt, um, I mean, prior to his you know Instagram uh, career as as you know pushing that side of his personality, Matt was one of the funniest people I'd ever met. You know, he, he did not betray this kind of morose or solemn, sad sack guy that's in a lot of the songs. Um, he's hilarious and he's lighthearted and he's generous and warm. Um, and so you go backstage and, and you get a sense of it a little bit more now, even in the public performances, that uh, these guys are all very real and, um, you know, fame has changed because approachability is a little bit scarier mm. um, when you have, you know, 40 people at the 40 watt in Athens versus 120,000 in Mexico City. You know, um, but they've all held up real well and they've worked their asses off 20 years mm. straight. Um, nobody deserves it more than, than them, I think. Yeah. Um, they've made some of the best records in the last, I'm going to stretch it to 50 years. I mean, I really do believe that some of those records people are going to be listening to 100 years from now. And that to me is, is the goal. You know, my folks were like, well, well, one in 10,000 bands do that. And I said, okay, so one in 10,000 people become huge architects and discover flight and all this other stuff. So what we shouldn't try, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, that to me, that goal is not fame or money, which, you know, is sometimes desirable, but to me, leaving an artifact that people beyond your immediate sphere of influence connect to and over a long period of time, you know, Ron Stellick, Fern Getty, obviously, you know, just um, passed recently. And, you know, I, I, it got me to thinking about poetry and I was writing a lot of poetry in my 20s and I'm just realizing that you know, someone passes. We've, we've seen a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of my heroes in the last three or four years uh, past and realizing what a legacy they leave behind and what it really means to 
create art and leave leave it behind for everyone else to enjoy. And so in a way you, you do have that immortality in a way. Hmm. Well that's the thing too, you know, it's um with the art comparatively you say to design, you know, design is just solving a uh, kind of communication problem generally, you know, and uh, uh, arts, you really, it's, it is an extension of yourself, but I, I think it's more for people, you know, it, it's not an art unless you, you can, you can create therapeutic art and stuff and art for yourself. But if it's not, you know, taken up by, if you don't release it to, you know, the, the greater world, uh, you know, it's not seen, heard, experienced, it's, it's, it's just an idea for yourself, I guess, but choose to, to watch or look at, um, you know, and just have these filters of, you know, uh, just say like a group with similar ideas, but no, nothing else, you know, and that's where we had the, you know, issues with the election and all that is the, the kind of just funneling of just exactly. ideas into just, you know, just uh, one group, you know, and then the other side not seeing the other side and not having that perspective and having cross dialogue or, you know, um, you know, that's, well, that's why I thought radio was so interesting um, because I don't, I don't think that we as humans were meant to be able to talk to anyone at any time in any place. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think we were meant to know exactly what news is happening in any given place at any given minute. Um, it's just a, it's so much information and, and to give every person a voice and a platform for that voice, it's democratic, but it is also in a way, a little bit anarchistic. Mm. Um, so I was trying to get to your point, which I've now let slip, but, um, yeah, I'm not, uh, I have very mixed feelings about the internet. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of artisans do too. You know, it's uh, oh, I'm I'm feeling a you know some cognitive burnout and just burnout from the oversaturation or the pressure to post and it's like I I just want to do my thing like uh, but uh, you know to get it out there I kind of post but uh, luckily this this has been receptive you know people are really digging uh this series absolutely it's it's i can see why for you um and you know i have an instagram account it's the only thing that i have in terms of that social media and i flirt with leaving it all the time yeah because i'm thinking god this thing is appealing to my worst narcissistic impulses um i'm sitting around uh trying to communicate affection and appreciation by you know making a heart light up on a screen yeah um and i get very dismayed by it but then i have moments I, there you know i met kevin gilmore who you interviewed oh um, yeah. yeah through instagram and you know we are somewhat kindred spirits and have, have developed what i call a, a fairly solid friendship not having ever really met yeah um, oh cool and there's a couple of other painters uh that i am in regular contact with 
hmm. on Instagram. And, and that gives me that little push that says, okay, I would not have had this perspective and met these people that have other perspectives and live in other places. I would not have had that opportunity. So it's a double-edged sword. I'm not, I'm not saying get off my log, go take away the internet, but it's, it's something that I grapple with all the time, mm. you know, and, and in some ways you think about some purists would say, well, you're not making any real music because it's all digital. Where's your outboard gear? You know, where did you know, learn how to use these devices in whatever? And frankly, he put me into a studio and asked me to put together all the physical components and wire everything correctly. I would be probably lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of people, I think, feel that way, but I don't think that I think that's kind of bogus. Um, I think that any tool is fair game if it's going to make help you make art. If it's going to help you make something else, that's a different story. But if it's going to help you make art and, and it gives you a legitimate product, if you want to call it a product, hmm. the, you know, the product of your labor, right? Um, then who gives a shit where, you know, what tools you used. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, you gotta take the good with the bad and, and, uh, there's certainly a lot of good to be experiencing right now. Well, I'm, I'm a big proponent of crossover, you know, it just, I don't like to, you know, I've mixed photographic techniques with like, you know, printmaking techniques, uh, you know, cut it, cut ups. And, uh, I've been playing around with, uh, you know, some stuff like I, I could show you real quick, just, it's okay. kind of dark, uh, but like, kind of like, it is dark, <laughs> but I love it. Like, uh, I mean, it was the authentic, it was my attempt to kind of show, um, just, uh, and I just kind of reflect on my silence or my observations of what was going on. You Would know, you mind just, showing that to me again? Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, yep, I see it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, that's saying a lot. I mean, just looking at it for, you know, five seconds, it's already saying a lot. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I took a self-portrait with tape over my mouth. In a you know this room just dark and maybe it had this overhead light, and then I, I cut it out. I did some cutting and scanned it back in over the you know original portrait or different portrait of myself, and oh well, initially then just like carved into it as well just to have this rough kind of cut cut out the eyes, and then I, I scanned it again and then another scan so I kind of layered it scanned it and uh, I'd love to print it on some like maybe some rice paper or something, something uh, really unique paper. I would love to see it on. Yeah, a arch paper or something that has some tooth and some dot game, you know, kind of softened it up a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did a lot of printing in my time, mm. um, sort of professional printing. Um, and it sounds like you were using a, a kind of a graphic design technique, which is 
scanning and blowing up and scanning it again and blowing it up and you know doing that sort of thing i i think that's great i mean it shows it's it's very much of the time isn't it yeah no it's um you know i it, it was kind of denied from a you know traditional route of a a, a group uh show um it was supposed to be about the pandemic and this was really my authentic self and, and how I was experiencing the pandemic and um, it was kind of denied. I'm like, eh, that's awful. Uh, but so I, I'm probably going to self-produce a show with a, or maybe collab with an artist friend, a new artist friend who I actually interviewed and now we're kind of friends. Um, sure. um, or probably co-produce a show anyways. So I'm like, I just like producing my own stuff, like trying to go through to traditional you know, gallery system or, you know, open calls. I, 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 I'm not a big fan of that. I, I feel like it just parallels late capitalism and just like, once again, you just weed people out and you, you're pretty subjective. And it's like, that's not art. So like, I don't want to compete over art, you know, it's, you know, all these contests now, um, photographic contests. It's like, it doesn't do anybody good. It just does the organizations good, of course. With that, those fees and stuff, but I don't believe that's art, man. I, I I think you should one should create because you need to create, and I don't think you should limit yourself due to somebody else's perspective or taste and styles. I mean, I, I think that's just which is we're back right here to the internet. It gives you yeah. the opportunity to do that. Yeah, and and that's that double-edged sword again. It's a fantastic way to do that, and and it. And it should be that way, yeah. Um, because glad handing is, you know, artists are not usually very good at glad handing. That's why they have agents. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, 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 sorry to. No. Um, another extension of my series, which I was doing prior to pandemic, was you know I had I print out my photos. I had to like venues say like I had this show at Arlene's Grocery, August two thousand nineteen. I printed out my stuff, portraits, uh, you know, I think I had one of Ben too. Um, and then I had uh, bands I've shot play perform and people love it. Like I got so many sure. people together and people had the best time. And it was like in February, I had everything lined up last year. I was like, all right, we have the venue. It was an amazing venue. I don't know if you know it, Littlefields in uh, Brooklyn, Guanas area. I know Guanas very well, but Littlefields may have gone up within the last three years. Yeah, yeah, it might be a newer venue, but it was yeah. like, you could probably hold like 200 people at least sitting down. So it was a big venue, like, a, and they had a dedicated gallery space and had amazing lineup. Um, I even had a, a, com a comedian I shot, I was getting into the comedy, you know, backstage comedy and stuff. And um, he was gonna open up and then I had two amazing uh, performers as well. You know, Shipla Ray, if, if you're familiar. Uh, and then, um, Lizzie and the Makers too, both kind of local New York bands. Uh, it, it was just a diverse lineup. And then it was like pandemic, no, it was like, had everything going well. Um, and then of course pandemic. So it, it, this, this kicked off, which has been going well as well, but I love bringing people together in the experience of say Prince and then music and um, just having this immersive di or diverse experience as well. Well, you know, I feel for you because I don't, um, 
sometimes it's not as obvious to me how heartbreaking some of these interruptions have been for so many people um, having a show, um, even to get it down to something as basic. And, you know, we, have, we had tickets to five or six shows last year, Nick Cave at the Fox Theater. Yeah. Um, Magnetic Fields is at this tiny place. Um, the Ocean Blue coming back around and, and feeling really proud that they were coming back around and, and making a go of it and probably going to be very successful doing it. And it was such a disappointment to miss those. And I can't imagine for the performers of any uh, sort of art that anticipated a, a performance and then it got washed away. Mm. It's that's a heartbreaker. I mean, um, I again, that's why I feel grateful. I've had the opportunity to to hold myself up and, and do what I need to do to 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 live, mm. you know, to purge. Um, and it's just so unfortunate. And I'm hoping that pretty, you know, hopefully sooner than later we'll be able to get back to, you know seeing other people's faces yeah and um like hugging your friends that's the weirdest thing to me mm. not to be all touchy-feely about it but like that to me it's always weird you know people you've known for 20 years that you naturally go hey man what's up yeah and you go oh wait can't do that you know it feels so strange that is true yeah uh, every time i see my well i i, I still i i kind of go up to mass to visit my folks because I, I still have to check in, but you know, sure. I, I haven't been irresponsible, but I, I generally meet with my friends, old friends. And uh, yeah, we, we always just meet outside and it's like, we have to have our mask on and kind of like elbow or like, but generally, yeah, you, you just like hug, you know, it's like, you miss that, those small interactions, those micro Absolutely. It's, you know, when you're talking to someone in a mask, you know, you can't really portray your expression that well. And um, it just feels like you're watching YouTube or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is true. Um, do you, uh, do you still kind of dabble in the visual as well? Or have you yeah, um, you know, you mentioned going to New York and, and doing street photography. And I think that anybody photographer ever on this whole planet who's ever gone to New York starts with street photography because obviously it's so, so rich, you know, in, in, in the visual language there. Um, I still take a lot of photographs. Um, my pro rigs have collected a little dust lately because the, um, the newer iPhones cameras are so they're so good, and I can't remember who said it. Some famous photographer was asked, you know, "What's what's the best camera?" And I should get. So the best camera is the one you have with you. Hmm. Um, that really stuck with me. Um, my subjects are limited now to interesting patterns and photographs of my beautiful wife and child um and uh i you know all the cover art for all the eps and singles that i've released over the last three years 
um, have been I've used you know, photography that I've taken. Um, so I, I still love photography. I love color in general. It's, uh, color is a kind of a thing in our households. Um, and I, I don't know if you know, um, yeah, I'm going to forget his name all of a sudden, uh, David Carson. Um, he was, uh, or rather is a, uh, a graphic designer of some fame in the 90s and he started that that magazine that had all the strange type not emigre but the other one hmm. um i could not stand it as a designer i thought i thought it was just it was not for me it was showy etc then he put out a book of photographs and wow i was floored um it was very much my speed hmm. a lot of abstracts a lot of blurred shots a lot of things having to do with color and texture and composition and not really uh, a representational approach to things. Mm. Um, I was floored by that. I learned a lot about that from that, from that experience. Um, so yeah, I still, still take a lot of photographs. Painters, I've been, I've been friends with painters all my life. I think they are the most lovable kooks there are. Um, because they all are kooks. You have to have a special thing to be a painter. Hmm. Um, if I could be anything I would be a, that, I, that I can't do, would be a painter. I, I could never do anything like that. It is yeah. beyond my grasp. And it is, it gains all of my awe when I see painters laying down their layers to become whatever it is they're going to become. And I've had a lot of painter friends, good painter friends. And, it requires something that I do not have and, and that is enviable and probably also torturous for them. <laughs> yeah. Such as art. Uh, yeah. Actually, the third conversation I had was uh, with uh, you know, uh, Ron English, uh, you know, the pop surrealist painter. Sounds he, very familiar. Yeah, he, he's, he's very well-known uh, painter and he, he makes pop surrealism like... Uh, these uh i guess like characters that kind of you know t you know kind of confront our our late capitalistic kind of consumption you know mm -hmm. like um i think he's pretty really famous for like i think he did like a take on like you know mcdonald's and stuff like that mm -hmm. initially he was kicking off i think he's really got fame from his billboard work initially like um yeah, he was just posting like what looked like ads, but they were just like flipped and, and kind of make it, you know, uh, first sort of, yeah, yeah. Subversive, subversive, yeah, exactly. You know, um, so um, that was cool. That was in person prior. Um, he was a heady guy, but I, I asked him about process and he's like, yeah, every day I uh, kind of wake up and, and paint for 12 hours. I'm like, wow, that's, I don't, who knows how much is that actual painting, but he's in the studio for that long. But he, I, I, but kind of getting that vibe, I, I'm sure he, he, he's... He's in the mindset. He's yeah. in the mindset whether he's actually, you know, making strokes or not, he's in the mindset. Yeah. I think that's, that's very, very easy to believe. Um, when you love some, something and it calls you, um, 
you can devote countless straight hours. Um, as I said, I've, I've spent 14, 16 hours straight on, on mixes. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably not the best thing to do. <laughs> um, you know, you need to clear your palate, your, your palate for, but, um, yeah, it's process, I think, requires you to be a little obsessive. And I don't think any, any artist that I've ever known that does not have some, some form of uh, a little bit of elevated OCD quality um, that's required to, mm. to generate that kind of energy and, and, uh, and sustain, sustained effort, um, which is what it requires, you know. If you do something just a little bit here and there, you know, you don't build momentum. Uh, you don't have your happy accidents, um, which I think are the most amazing things about making art. Is that, oops, I, oops, I fucked that up. Oh, I fucked that really good. That's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that doesn't happen unless you're in it and you're doing it and, um, you have sustained effort. Yeah, it's just a constant. Uh, well, it, it seems to me like everybody kind of like if I step away for a sec and, and kind of reflect on all my conversations with not just musicians, painters, comedians, anybody, it, they're dedicated to it. You know, you have to dedicate time to it day in, day out. It's day in, day out. It's it's your life. You know, you have to uh, create. You have to have that structured time of i'm gonna sit down and do art or think you know or think about the project and then start or research or something you have to work towards you know that goal daily uh or you know no matter what it is um did you that... have as a kid the support um structure and the discipline and the foresight to to, to, to know what you wanted to become or what you wanted to be interested in? No, no. <laughs> Neither did I. Neither did I. I think that's, that's, a, that's a big ingredient right there. Um, I still because... don't. I mean, I, I still don't know where things are going now. I, I never expected to be here. Like, like I said, I moved to New York with the intention of maybe just, you know, working in design, you know, um, you know tech, more tech design, yeah. you know. Uh, I never... I thought it would go this way you know it was cool like my first image i showed ended up being that that year 2017 in, in chelsea in october which was cool i was like oh wow this is amazing congrats man that's really awesome um i told myself when i moved to new york in 99 i said i'm not gonna leave the city until i've had one photo exhibition yeah yeah like an actual photo exhibition i never had it. <laughs> I've got, got 55,000 frames, but yeah, you know, that never happened, and I left anyway. But that's okay. That's all right. Um, yeah, no, no, it's I. Uh, but then I, I did that. It was like uh, like an independent art fair called Clio Art Fair, which was on the same uh, time frame as like the Armory Show and that other bigger art fair, I forget the name. Um, this sounds very familiar. Um, I think it was just the Armory show I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, but it was like, 
it was cool. It was like, whoa, okay, maybe I, uh, you know, and then I was picking up a lot of work with uh, Pace Magazine too. So I'm like, oh, all right, let's just do this. And uh, it's led me here talking to amazing, meeting amazing people and took me up and down the East Coast. But uh, I don't know where things will go, but people really enjoyed this platform too. I just, because I don't know, I don't try too much. I just have conversations, you know, uh, but. Path is just as uh, interesting as the, as the, you know, the finished, uh, crossing the finish line as it were, you know? Yeah. Um, the path is, is definitely interesting. Getting, getting to where I've gotten, getting to where you've gotten. Um, I was thinking more of just of those kids that, somehow know that they're going to be something and decide to start doing it at a very early age. Hmm. You know, if you start doing something between the ages of seven and 17, in a, in a real focused, disciplined way, which is rare, but if you hmm. start doing that, you are likely to be very successful at what you do. If you have yeah. the support and the time to do it, and the discipline and the focus and, and the knowing this is what I want, right? Mm. I didn't know what I wanted. I mean, I know I wanted to play the drums and I wanted to hang out with girls because they were cute. That, I didn't know anything else. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't know what else I was going to do. I wanted to write poetry. I wanted to take pictures, um, dabbling in a lot of things. But when you have that luxury of forethought and support, um, I think those are the ones that really, really have the potential to, to really do something. I remember an, uh, an artist that I'm particularly super fond of, Jewel, mm. said one of the most profound things I thought for a, a person of that age at the time. She said, if you have something to fall back on, you will fall back on it. Mm. True. I think I've, I've certainly heard that line as well um also though like it like uh, kind of touching on like like jo painting again john michelle um, basquiat you know knew he, he just knew he's gonna be famous uh he had just the courage you know he just like had the audacity to just walk into a restaurant where andy warhol was kind of you know eating and he just walked up to him you know and he's like <laughs> david bowie in the film yeah yeah oh yeah that's what i'm referencing actually there we go the film yeah that's that's the imagery that just popped up it was like the, i love the that film. Scene. yeah yeah we were literally my wife and i were literally just talking about that, that oh film. cool and yeah I, was saying, I don't even know it's good anymore yeah yeah no that's exactly what i was envisioning so yeah there he goes from the film <laughs> um but also though you, you did see the you, the 27 club you know and it's like you don't want to peter out too early you know if uh, if you're on that track and then like you, we've seen so many unfortunate cases of them you know younger superstar or just extreme talent just peter out due to the press and the pressure of being that that well known and it's like amy winehouse for example you know it's uh unfortunate Not everyone is built for it because yeah. artists are sensitive people and that's one of those ingredients that is required of what you want to, if you want to call it a highly successful artist of any discipline, 
is that um, uh, the garden this that they, that they can use to um, defend themselves against all this pressure and and loss of anonymity and um, I remember walking down the street and seeing Bowie and Amon like around Bergdorf, somewhere around there. Hmm. And me looking up and recognizing, and he recognized that I recognized him as we were walking. And I wasn't going to say anything, you know, but he didn't know that. And as we walked by, he just went, In a very gentle manner, you know, not in a get away from me kind of way, just like, I thought that was very sweet. And it, it, it shows that a person who is very much in control of, after many years of, of you know, practicing it, very much in control of how people affect him and get get to him or don't mm. get to him. Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, Janice, they did not have that core piece of their personality uh, to defend themselves with. Um, and it is a tragedy. Um, thankfully, rock and roll is not quite as, as rife with inexperienced substance abuse <laughs> as it was in the 60s and, yeah. and part of the 70s you know a lot of that a lot of that was innocence uh accident and just plain you know stupidity yeah. um but i don't i don't think that rock and roll really is like that so much anymore yeah and, like parents don't have to be worried so much <laughs> oh yeah it's going backstage you know the last couple of years it's like it, it's pretty boring back there people you know the performers just drinking tea or um exactly. steam steaming their uh uh yeah 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 exactly yeah. so it's like oh i missed it i should have been around in the 60s 70s 80s you know like bob gruen you know <laughs> like just be back there exactly exactly uh, uh but but still hey uh I'm still shocked that, that Keith Richards is hanging around somehow, <laughs> you know, it's like. I have a very, very, very special place in my heart for Keith and Nick. Um, we have to be careful what kind of world we're leaving behind for Nick yeah. and Because <laughs> they're going to outlive all of us. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't know what. It's impossible. I saw the Stones in 2012, I think. Hmm. And I couldn't believe these guys had that energy and uh, agility, and especially Keith. But he was born with a constitution like that. That's one in a million constitution there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's had a lot of fun. I don't know if you read his um, his autobiography, which was super charming. If you haven't read that. It's a great read. Hmm. Um, I was I always thought that Keith was the scary guy. He's scary to me when I was a little kid. Then I realized what a softy he really is, and what a gentle soul he really is. Yeah. Um, and what a terrible singer he is. 
and how great that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> terrible singer, I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I always like joke around. I'm like, what, what, what do they sign? You know, they signed a pact with somebody. <laughs> you know, like some you know, ominous force to, to stick around with that energy. And Bringing just... up another thing we talked about just last night, you know, Tony, you know, Robert Johnson and the deal with the devil and Nick Cave's line and uh, one of the <laughs> which song, uh, Robert Johnson and the devil, we don't know who's going to end up cheating who. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there is an element of that, at least metaphorically, um, when you decide that you're going to practice the guitar 16 hours a day for five years to become the best. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of selling your soul in a way because you are excluding so many aspects of life, um, like experience, so that you can become this one uh, singular entity or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Like where you just have to you neglect everything else besides like music, you know, it's like, I'm going to be it's a choice. It's a choice, but it, I don't think it's a bad choice. Hmm. Um, it, but it is, it is a little bit like selling a little bit of your yourself away. Um, to give your, your, your life to the instrument or to the, to the canvas or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always just impressed with the guy, you know, like the stone still kind of, you know, continue well, more than, you know, recently, you know, still continuing at it, you know, the same with like Springsteen still going at it strong, you know, uh, uh, like you know. a brick still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> um, Remarkable. For sure. Yeah. yeah. But we, uh, all, should we all have that constitution. <laughs> we're just on this, uh, you know, we're given what we're given, I guess, right? I don't, it's just luck, just sporadic, universal, here you go, here you go, or, you know, eh, we're just in our own uh, realms, I guess. I don't know. I spent a lot of time in my 20s, you know, I didn't want to be a Beatle. I wanted to be the Beatles. Hmm. Um, and then very quickly realized that it was a lot more important to, to be famous with your immediate uh, sphere of influence. You know, be that for two degrees of separation, not 150,000 degrees of separation. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's got to start there, and it is very satisfying no matter what. If, if, even even if ten people are listening, or watching, or whatever it is, if they're if they are responding, then the job is done. Whether or not it's popular or widespread is, in some ways, kind of irrelevant as far as the judgment of the artist is concerned. Mm. Uh, now, where's the money? Yeah. yeah that's what i'm trying to figure out <laughs> but hey um uh well i i guess i'll i won't keep you anymore sir um well it's been a really lovely conversation with you rob and i really appreciate um 
be reaching out to me. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, same here, sir. Um, it, it, and thank you once again for taking your time and enjoy uh, a lovely afternoon down in uh, Atlanta. Likewise, and be safe up there. Hopefully, this will be semi over soon. So be safe. Good luck. Same to you, sir. Be well. Bye.